Okay, we're gonna get started. You ready? All right, everybody. Hello. I am so excited today. We have a very special guest. Um, her name is Shan Booty. As much as many of you guys already know, she is an author, speaker, sexologist. She has been featured on um, MTV, um, the Steve Harvey Show, Facebook Watch. She has a Quibi show. She is an author, I think, of two books. Yes, uh, two girl. I did my research. Okay, um, you snap so loud. I snap like a black woman. <laughs> so it is unnatural to snap that loud. <laughs> this is my snap sound. Practice. <laughs> I will tell you. It is. Um, so I'm super excited. I wanted to do an episode dedicated to dating specifically. And because Kevin and I have been dating, married dating since we were fifth, sixteen, um, sixteen, um, and we never really had like an official dating, like we never dated like that. Like we just, it's just been. We went to the dollar too. movies so many times. But I mean, we never dated other people. Oh yeah, I had the summer of '99 was crazy for me. That was before I met you. But you know what? God sent me a wife, and I'm glad. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what this episode is about. Shan, I will give you the opportunity and the floor to introduce yourself, cover all the bases I didn't cover. I want to just say that you're a show off and that you hustle. Because you said, I don't really have an intro for you. I'm just going to kind of. She lies, Shan. What an incredible introduction. That was awesome. I have nothing else to say. I'm glad to be here. Um, I think, like, the. The, uh, the bedrock of my career is to empower people to be their own sex and relationship experts, to give them resources so that they become a guru in their own friend group. And that's the information I wanted to pass on in the Game of Desire and the information I'm happy to talk about here. So I'm also really hyped that we're doing this with like a small group so we can have like a real intimate conversation because there's nothing more boring than talking about relationships and sex when you can't chime in. So everybody, please chime in. Chime uh, in, huh? I love that. And if you guys were on the last live with um, the ladies of the Real Comedian Social Media, you guys know I love like small, intimate conversations. So I'm excited. I'm super excited, actually. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to open it up first. Oh, wait, before we do that, I want to tell you guys how we actually met Shan about two years ago? Three yeah, years ago? Yeah, I think it was the first. Oh. Which is really uh, a year and a half. that YouTube Black? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's probably about a year and a half ago. It'll be two years this October. They didn't invite me back this year. There's nobody's going anywhere this year, Kevin. Oh, no, they had it. Dormtainment was there. Oh. It's about past years. Yeah, it's fine. Oh. Let bygones be bygones. <laughs> but yeah, it was about a year and a half ago. year and a half ago, we met Shan. We were in a... um Like, we did the, like, tours... I mean, tour stops, the press stops together. And I actually yes. think you were writing, it was right before you got married. I think you were writing Game of Desire. Yes, I was. Yeah. I and we about this moment way back then. And here we are a year and a half later. Sometimes yeah. you just gotta be, it's going to come to you. You just got to be. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I'm really excited. So we're going to get straight into it. So what I want to do first, like I said, if you are dating, this is the episode for you. Get your questions ready. Shan has um, a Quibi episode with 130. Quibi show. show with 130. I'm, I'm looking for him to confirm. I could just ask you girls your show. 
130 episodes. So, child, there is no topic she can't touch on. Ain't so, no fisting. So, Kev said, ain't no fisting. She was like, wait, did you say that? <laughs> How do you go from one to the whole fist? Inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> I met somebody who became the anal fisting Guinness Book of World Record holder because they fisted the most people in one evening. So they were the fister or the fisty. The first, the fister. They were. They, they did oh, the most anal. Yes, they did. They fisted the most people in one. I mean, people that? who get their butt fisted don't. They don't get to join the, the record. Seventy. Seventy. Yeah, maybe it was 40. It was somewhere in that range. It wasn't 100. It was enough to be like, wow, but not like so crazy that I was like, that's impossible. I could see that happening. Right. I digress. We're talking about <laughs> That's pretty interesting, oh, though. Man. All right. So, um, Shan, what we want to do, okay, like I said, we're talking about dating and all the things. So, the people that listen to The Love Hour, which there are a lot of single people that listen to The Love Hour, and one of the things that they're always or people are always sending me, whether by DM or email or just like inboxing me or whatever, is how difficult it is. Like they low key always want me and Kev to play matchmaker. Like they're always like, it's so hard to find someone. It is so hard to date these days. So what are your thoughts on is it actually harder dating today than whenever before it was i don't know when the great period of dating was but apparently we've moved beyond that period so it but is that true in your opinion it is more difficult with less guidance so i always describe it as essentially what we have is a culture of people who've never ever learned about love dating connection emotional intelligence healthy sexuality period like Sex education is the longest running joke, but on top of that, we don't get any other form of intimacy education. But back in the day, your options were limited or you had a bunch of scaffolding. Your parents or your family chose your partner for you. If you were involved in the church, the church chose your partner for you. And so even though you didn't have the tools to find the right person, the community was such a small pool that it just naturally serendipitously happened a lot easier. And so it's kind of a similar question of, is it harder to find your passion now than it was before because before it's like you want to be the blacksmith the baker right. the butcher like there's seven jobs which one are you going to take but now there's infinite possibilities there's less community scaffolding there's more of an individualistic attitude people are waiting longer to get married and so that can be a positive thing because there's more options um and so that could be good but it's not good if you've never gotten the tools for discernment to find the right partner for yourself and especially in a world that doesn't prioritize like, yeah, if you want to be successful in this area, you have to put the work in. I'm reading this book right now that's called The Art of Loving. And the author is like, you know, it sounds like what I'm saying is like love is an art form. But what is art? Art is discipline. Art is theory. Art is practice. Art is guidance. Through that continuous process, your art becomes second nature to you. Your art becomes an extension of who you are but art is a skill. So he was like, love is also a skill in the exact same way. So I, I think if you don't have that mindset, absolutely it's harder. But if you don't have that mindset, who could blame you? Wow. Okay, so- I see why you have a book and a show. I mean, very clear. The doggone butcher, baker, blacksmith idea and the scaffolding, I was sitting there in my, you don't know how many times I was like, mm, mm-hmm, oh yeah. 
guys meet at church or through we met just in high, high school? school? High school. We met in high school on the bus. And that was just luck. That's nothing like there. There was no intervention from like an authority or an adult or anything. No, but I, I, so people are not going to church as much as they used to. Church doesn't happen as much as it used to. Also, it's not necessarily people's fault. When I was a kid, church happened literally five or six times a week. Now our church in LA happens one time, one service. So there's less, you know, uh, whatever. Uh, and I'm just thinking about all my friends who got married around us around that time, who got, who met each other at church. And nowadays people don't meet at church as, as much as they used to. And I didn't think about family and like all that stuff where at least it gave you some like options and direction. Now it's just like, all right, I guess you swipe around on Tim. I don't know how people meet. I really don't know. I, I can't imagine dating right now. I feel sorry for people who are single because I don't what, what do you do? What do you do? But the good news is, is that millennials, for example, have decreased the amount of divorces that are going to happen. People are now reporting being more happier in marriages. And it was a report that came out that said that the average person is going to get married, but 80% of the population will get married by age 45 to 49. So it is still, you know, the fact that we're waiting longer doesn't, isn't indicative that it's not going to be as positive, but it can be more frustrating. And there is lots more trial and error that doesn't have to be there. I feel like, you know, when you come out of school and you're doing a bunch of jobs, yes. but each job is bringing you closer to your passion and to your ultimate career. And each job, you're learning the skills necessary to be better for the kind of job you want. I feel like a lot of people go through a lot of relationships that don't set them up to be better for the next person. Um, and so that's where I think that dating can be shitty. Um, mm -hmm. It's one thing, I don't mind having, you know, I got married at 33 years old. So I am a part of the statistic who got married later in life. I didn't start having great romantic dating experiences until age 30. And that's only because I started to get really purposeful about who I interacted with and how I went about doing that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I have a lot of questions because I thought I love this right now. So my first question is how, what are the steps for people to start being intentional about dating? I think it's so important. What you just said is that, well, oh, so many things. Okay. I'm gonna just say this one last thing. Melissa's having, this is, this, I know. she's, she's in intellectually erect right now. Anytime a guest does this, this is like the equivalent of, of a hard penis for her. I get like on overload. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now she's domestic violence. <laughs> so if um, I think something that you said was really important, I just want to come back to it really quickly is you've taken a lot of what we think about love as being like this romantic serendipitous it shouldn't be so hard kind of thing and it really is about intentionality and there is a bit of work that goes into it beforehand when it comes to what you want but also once you're in it and i think uh, even when i think about um a while ago we were on black love and they asked us and we ended up talking about like how did you know you were the one yeah. And I always say, I really didn't know. And I know that that's not like on my wedding day, I didn't know. And I know it doesn't sound very um, romantic, but it wasn't until I've been in this, like I've always said, for we've been together for 21 years, really, um, that I, after we put in the work, we've been through trials, we've been through tribulations. It's, and now at this point that I'm willing to say, I would say yes again, 25 years or 20 years ago, only because I'm so sure today 
but it's because of the work that I've put in. I don't know if that makes sense, but I guess what I'm saying is it's not all romantic. And I think if we take that out of our mind, it makes it a little bit easier to go about this process. I mean, especially for you guys, you were so young. You were still mm -hmm. learning about yourself. You were still developing. What you've done is so unique and special because mm -hmm. it's very difficult to choose somebody else and to devote yourself to intimacy when you don't even know how to really love or understand yourself yet. So it's completely understandable that the two of you would take time to get to know yourself and be sure of who you are before you can be like, okay, I'm sure about my career. I'm sure about my man. I'm sure about where we live. Like I'm certain because now I've developed an identity for myself. So yes. I just want to say, I'm not just on my phone. Sorry, Tan. I, I thought you saw it. Oh, good. You're alive. I, the Patreon link, I forgot to put it in the body of the link. And sometimes people can't click the Got thing. It. So I'm listening, but somebody just DM me and I realized I forgot to put it in there. And I don't want people to, somebody's like, I want to catch the live. And I'm like, oh, snap, I didn't put that thing. Okay. So that's all. I ain't listening. I'm not just playing text <laughs> games. Okay. <laughs> that's because I'm happy. Yeah. yeah. She's pinching me I'm under kidding. here. She's pinching me and I'm bleeding. <laughs> I'm underneath this thing. There's so much blood loss. And I just really want everybody to watch the show. And I, I'm bleeding internally. <laughs> okay. Know, link is updated. Link is updated. We're back on. Uh, yeah. We're being in I think that uh, when I say dating with dominance, the game of desire, the subtitle is how to date with dominance, get what you want. A lot of people interpreted that as like walking up to someone like, can I buy you a drink? You know, like, <laughs> it means dating with intentionality, having a clear vision of who you want, being in the driver's seat. And that's something as simple for a lot of women as making the first move. You know, why would you... If this is a really big part of your life, you know, the quality and quantity of your close relationships will determine two thirds of your happiness. And so this is a massive part of your life that wow. creates your legacy, that creates your contentment. So why would you leave this area up to other people? Why would you leave the um, task of finding the right life partner for you completely up to others? So that's what I mean about dating with dominance, uh, putting some brain power behind this, having some strategy, really trying to succeed in this area. And I think people traditionally think of trying as like a sign of desperation or a sign of grossness or that you're like a leper. I think it's the opposite. I think somebody who wants to see success will try. Now, don't get me I wrong. There's no hard rules. I love your guys' story, but it is like the enemy of what I preach. Because <laughs> you guys just happened, you know? Yeah, I, and I realize we are in the norm, but here's our problem with our relationship. It fits the Hollywood narrative of love. Love yes. finds you, you fall in mm -hmm. love, you bump into a person, and then you add to it the, the church background we come from, which is he who finds the wife finds the good thing. Therefore, if you are a woman, you shouldn't have to do anything. Your husband should just be walking and find you. There's no like, what does that mean? I've heard a lot of pastors mean, uh, describe that. It doesn't mean he literally bumps into you and finds you. It means he finds you worthy of you know being a wife mainly because you are confident you have your own stuff together and he sees you with that not literally like he's playing hide and go seek but i think like you said one thing i think you said that's really stuck to me is there's less guidance and then but there's still the hollywood narrative of love and butterflies and bumping into somebody at a bar and all that type of stuff and i just don't think i don't think it was ever true but it's probably even less true nowadays just with, with the way society's set up I mean, all things are true. I always give the example of like a, a, to be in LA. You could come to LA to be an actor and get a job on a lot and the perfect director just finds you and says, you, get on set right now. You're the star of this film. That happens to some people. Most people gotta put the work in. 
got to try to cast and directors have to audition constantly have to put out there have to go to classes have to go through a lot of rejection like have to network but both stories are possible it's just are you going to put all of your eggs in the lucky basket or are you going to be like in either case even if you do get found by the right person the work that you put in to understand how to love understand how to connect understand how to flirt it's not going to be for naught like this is never going to be knowledge that you're not going to utilize so why be resistant to opening yourself up to it so good so then walk us through your dating with dominance, dating with intentionality, like the model. And then I'll answer that question. Uh, yeah, so phase one is to know and knowing yourself is just being clear about who you are and not in a like, I'm a, tour I'm a Taurus and you know, I like walk walks on the beaches, like really intentional knowledge. What's my attachment style? What is my love language? What's my apology language? What's my big five personality traits? What are my strengths? What personality types will never work with me based on who I am? Which bring out the best in me? Like that kind of advanced knowledge, just kind of similarly to if you're applying yourself for a career, you know, you go through 18 years of school system trial and error to learn what are my strengths, what are my passions, what are my gifts? And now with that information, I can align myself with the right career to give myself a shot at having my dream job. But when it comes to romance, we do none of that. You just expect to find, you know, the quote unquote perfect career for yourself. So that knowing knowledge is, I think, robbed from a lot of people. You have to seek that out for yourself. And then it's all about changing. Now that you know what's gotta get fixed. You know, um, the pet peeve advice for mine is just be yourself. You know, like the best dating advice is to just be yourself, which you wouldn't need dating advice if being yourself was enough, right? Like that's in any area in life, that's just obvious. If I'm struggling with, you know, uh, fitness or with health, I can't just continue the same patterns. I have to adopt and make changes. I have to enlist the help of experts, which goes to phase three, which is learning. Learn from a bunch of people, read a bunch of books, and in all kinds of areas, learn from you guys. Learn from this podcast, which everybody's already doing this already, so kudos to your audience, but learn from your friend who's in marketing. Like, oh, if I'm trying to put myself out there on dating apps, like what should I know about presenting myself for success? How do I cut through the noise? So being really open to the expertise and advice of other people, and you gotta practice. Can't, can't dunk a ball if you're not practicing it. You can't dunk it in a game if you're not practicing in practice. So if you wanna be confident, and flirtatious and you know dominant but directional if you want to be able to have the self-awareness to pick the right person you have to be practicing these things all day long and then through these steps which can take a while for anybody that's when you now become the art you now become the person that you know your partner can find because you've made yourself visible and you are the quality of partner that you know that you would pick you know what's great about this this is very practical, it's good so advice. Practical. What we always hear is this things are automatic mm -hmm. and things just happen. Lofty. Be yourself. I can't even, I've heard that so many times told to other people. And I think that is, it's not practical. Yeah. Like even what just knowing mean? what personality type you have, even as simple as knowing what love language you have. So you can tell a potential partner, oh, this is how I interpret love. And they're like, oh, that's not my thing. I can't. Now you've at least saved some time eliminating a partner and not, finding this like two or three years later, I think there's so much value 
in doing the work we do i joke that a lot about doing the work but knowing what you like to eat and don't like to eat makes restaurants more fun because you're not just guessing i know i don't like um uh say spicy food if i order the spiciest thing on the menu i'm not gonna like that but we do that in relationships all the time we don't even what also, don't i like you know what's so annoying when people don't know what they like coming into a relationship even even the restaurant example, what do you want for dinner? Like, I don't know, whatever you want. It's like, what, what, what are you in the mood for? They're yeah. like, just pick something. <laughs> what do you like? And it's, when you, people want to know how to love you. People want to know how to be, if they're devoting time to be intimate with you, they want to be successful at it. And it shouldn't be guesswork. So the more that you know yourself, the more that you can be prescriptive to other people to say, hey, here's the blueprint for how to do this successfully. Yeah. I give the example of buy a plant, and a plant comes with those instructions. It's like, put me near a window. I need water at the bottom. Like, it's really, it's not trying to take the guesswork out of it. Like, this is how I'll survive in your home. Like, what if people came with those same instructions? Like, how much less unnecessary romantic turmoil would there have to be? Woo. Man, that puts, it puts the pressure on you, but also the power in you. It gives you the power to own your own relationship as opposed to being relegated to whatever relationship falls in your lap like no nah, i like this i don't like this if, if you don't like that then you know i i feel like if i were dating and somebody said hey i like this this and that is my love language here's the five personality things about me i'd be like well that's a lot more you know valuable same thing with sex like i like this i don't like that this and that like you i feel like it takes the like the hollywood part out of it the which i feel like we've all internalized too much but it makes it that much more, you know, concrete, concrete and likely to happen because you know what you want. Mm -hmm. And the person can't say, I don't know, man. Well, you should just know me. No, you should know you and you should share that information with me. <laughs> and I'll do this. Mean, we're having a very like scholastic conversation here. So I'm not suggesting that you walk up to someone and be like, so here's the five things that I require right now. That, like, can you do this with a pen in your hand? So it still should be in the form of seduction and play and flirtatiousness and communication that's fun and inviting to be a part of. But at least, again, that's kind of a part of the dominance is having that direction behind why you say what you say and why you're yeah. doing it. But I'm not suggesting by any means that. What you got to do is you say, hey, what do you want for appetizers? I'll take the buffalo wings. Also, my love language is quality time. <laughs> <laughs> just drop, drop them in here and there. I have a question for you that popped in my mind and then uh, Catherine is sending your question. So I'm going to get to those, but people did email me. So I want to get to those first. Um, but how do you marry the two? So the more specifically, how do you marry the idea of being seductive and flirtatious and that kind of like keeping a little bit of that like lofty airiness that is love that we see displayed on TV and movies with the concreteness of know who you are, you gotta see know what your non-negotiables are. Like, how do you marry those two without being, one, you know what I mean? I feel like me, myself, personally, me, I would sway more like this is my list <laughs> versus the other way. And I'm sure there are people who would go the other way. So how do you marry those two? I, I just think it's practice. It's like a choreography. I'm, so, I'm like the fucking, I do not stop with the analogies. It's a severe problem of mine. Um, you, know, <laughs> but, you know, you you know when you're watching a dancer, you can see the difference between the person who's doing the eight counts and the person who's living the eight counts. 
like that. It just flows through them. That is them. a good analogy. And the difference is really just practice, right? Like it becomes second nature to you. But in the truth, both of them still had to learn the fundamental principles of it. So right. I think it comes with time. Um, so the more, and also too, you start to be able to listen to it. I try to detect people's love and apology language or attachment style off the bat. Like if I'm working with you especially, that's really valuable information for me on how to successfully interact with you. So I've gotten really good at starting conversations that I know will tell me bits about that. I've gotten really good about dropping hints about what I need without being really uh, confrontational about it. So I just think that with time and confidence, and I, confidence is not like a choice. You know, you don't decide, like I'm gonna be confident, I'm gonna just pick to be confident, because confidence is the result of success over time. You become- you know what's interesting about that? Melissa, you walking heavy, Sean. You walking heavy. Melissa was uh, so a friend of ours to hear is really photogenic, right? Takes great pictures and a lot. Melissa follows a lot of people, and she was doing research about how to take great pictures. And all these people said, "Practice your poses." And I talked to Tahir about this. He was like, "Nah, fam, I practice my poses. I've taken a lot of pictures." And we just think people just naturally fall into these things. And it's yeah. not, it is literally like Maddie James tweeted. I, when I'm not feeling confident, I look away and, you know, it makes for this great picture. And I think we want it to, we, we think everything is magic. And there's some post-production, there's some practice behind the scenes that you haven't seen that, that even goes into taking pictures. So, of course, there's some that's necessary for, for dating successfully. Yeah. And I never I thought a person needed to be a good dater. Don't get me wrong. There's people who just have it, like charisma you know, or, or humor. Some people, they grew up in a funny home or they just, they were not naturally apt in that way. So they never had to be intentional about it. Um, that's not my story. You know, I, I, <laughs> I grew up very disagreeable. It was very hard for me to get along with people. I was a terrible student. I was not somebody who got along with coaches. I often had drama with people. My relationships were really tumultuous. And, you know, by the time I turned 28 years old, I was like, it's the common denominator here. Like, <laughs> Who is the pro You pulled the Scooby-Doo mask off yourself and it was you? It was me? I'm the reason my relationships are, are, are hard? Wow. Yeah, constructing and being like, okay, what is charisma? What is influence, you know? What is charm? How do I influence people without it becoming uncomfortable? How do I assert my ideas without making somebody else feel like they've given up a part of themselves? So I had to get really intentional about learning that and that's who I wrote the book for is people who maybe aren't in my full position, but somebody who can relate and say like, yeah, I'm not naturally, I wasn't the most popular kid in school who just knew how to turn the charm on. I wasn't the person who could just walk up to anybody at a bar. Like that's not been my story. And that's okay. Again, like I said, educationally, those tools are never provided for you. Some people were gifted with them or some people had scaffolding from a parent or somebody else who they learned through that, a really cool uncle or something. Um, it's just not my story. Okay. I love this, Shan, that you are, I almost wish everybody could see this now. Yeah, I, I feel like so, I think maybe I make it a public episode like three months from now. Okay. But I love, love, love that you're taking the, the mystical part of this out of the equation. Like there's Michael Vick, I got to have my sports analogy, physically gifted athlete, can run fast, throw far, just out of there. And then there's Peyton Manning can't run fast, can't do anything, but he works his doggone butt off, studies film, and that's what he needed, and that's what it was required to, to be a great quarterback. And I think 
people, if they hear nothing else from you, I hear be intentional about your love life, your dating life, and put work in and you'll see results. I think low key, I, I think people just expect it to happen. Mm -hmm. And nothing in life just happens. Hardly anything I should say, because some directors do just call you out, but that is a very rare occurrence. Most people audition like crazy, get told no like crazy, and finally catch a big break after failing for 10 years. And I think if you took that out of it, then you go into your dating life and you're like, man, three or four relationships haven't worked, but I learned this about myself, I learned that about myself, and these things were good about this relationship, and now you're, you're a better uh, person going into your next potential relationship. You know what's really cool about that too? Cause like people, you know, really idolize the fantasy story. And when you even think about that, like what's that girl's name, Megan Fox, you know how her story was like Michael Bay just picked her? Oh yeah, and, yeah. You know, he blew her up overnight, but then when he decided to take that away, mm -hmm. she didn't have that foundational backing underneath her. She didn't have the work yeah, behind no relationships. No herself. So this last year with the book coming out, you know, I'd gotten so much critique around the book because it was, I wanted to make it an interesting read. Um, so the, when the, the, the show, oh, a show I really admired kind of made fun of me and for a minute it made me feel sad, but then I was like, I've put in so much work that there's not a single opinion out there that can tank me. There is no yes. Michael Bay that can take everything away from me. Like yes. I, so that as much as we all want the fast route, cause you know, it's very appealing and it's very romantic. That can be, what can be given to you quickly can be taken away quickly. So that the substance is so freaking true, Shan. Mm -hmm. Cause I saw that and I was like, no, but I've known I've known about Shan for five years prior to this, and one clip isn't gonna change my mind. That's what I appreciate about our fans. Like, it's much harder to get canceled when you have a true audience who loves you. They're not gonna just believe the clips, but if you just go viral and then you say the N-word five years ago, you can't apologize for that. You're done. So um I I love that thing. There's we met you 18 months ago mm -hmm. and we we're just getting on the love hour. I was aware of you five years. You know what I mean? Like, so these things have been in the works. That's just to get you on one episode of our podcast. Right. We're not even trying to marry you. Imagine if we were trying to marry you. It'd take much more work than that. I have to go turn the heat off because I'm a roasted chicken right now. <laughs> I'm also sweating over here. So I don't yeah. know yeah, if it's, it's super warm. But I have to take my socks off. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's a scorcher. Yeah, I just took my socks off too, by the way. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I really quickly, if you know anything about me, you guys know that I love uh, phrases and those kind of things. They're the things that stick out the most to me when I'm talking to people. And the idea of scaffolding, I don't know why this is truly resonating with me, but I think we all have this scaffolding in our lives that we don't even recognize until we're years down the line and you realize you don't know how to do anything. Someone else has been like, um, like girding you up, so to speak, or like handicapping you and you didn't even know it. So I think that's really important. You're, you're um, I love this too, that you're doing, you've done a lot of self-assessment in your dating world to kind of turn the knob or yeah, turn the, turn the knob is what I'll say, um, in order to get different results instead of blaming other people, which I think is so common that we all can do. Say this partner was wrong for me because of this, this partner was wrong for me because of that, this part versus say, listen, that's not to say they weren't the wrong people now, both yes. have issues. But that's also to say though, I have to do some of my own self-reflection yeah. as well. You gotta do the work. That's part of the journey as well. 
Oh yeah, I was on uh, the Lily Singh show. You know, sometimes when you're talking to friends on a show, you forget that there's an audience. Yeah. And so yeah. you just wouldn't necessarily, you know, say in a public platform. So I kind of repeated the whole, cause she was asking about, we're both from Toronto, my experience dating in Toronto. And I was like, all men in Toronto are trash. The women are so much better, blah, 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 blah. And I just left there. I was like, you fucking basic. Like, how dare you? It just goes against so much of what you think and believe. And in truth, I was, you know, I was terrible at dating when I was in Toronto. There's, it's a city of 5 million people. Not everybody can be bad. I was obviously gravitating towards, to your point, not the best partners, but I myself didn't put the work in to be a good partner in return. So there was a yin and a yang to it. And I can't, and I'm not responsible for changing anybody else. I am responsible for myself. And so I think taking on the blame is like, yes. Cause now I'm like, oh, I know what to do different. It's yeah. so- You can, that's in the experiment, you are the variable. Right. Like you can change and make yourself a better person you're more than likely you have an opportunity to have better relationships because you have access to to better people. I think this, uh, um, honestly, Shan, a lot of people are not self-aware and do not want to hear, you know, I need to do a thing. Like I, in my relationship, when Melissa calls me out on something, I'm not trying to be like, yes, you're right. This is a, <laughs> a poor personality flaw of mine. You know what I mean? Like it stings a little bit, Girl. but in order to be a better person and therefore a better partner, you really got to be like, no, that actually is kind of like, that was really selfish of me. That was this of me because you, we have no problem doing that to the other person. Like you trash this way, X, Y, and Z and ABC as well. You know what I mean? But I think, um, owning your negative parts makes you a better potential dating partner as well. Oh, 100%. And there's people out there who are like that. Again, going back to that thing that the average person never gets good sex education. The average person never gets emotional education. The average person probably didn't have a healthy example of love growing up. So most people are pretty shit at this. Most people don't necessarily know how to love and partner. And By so the way, Shan, we don't usually cuss on our platform. <laughs> you are cussing. <laughs> okay. Melissa didn't tell you. Somebody commented, Shan, oh. I looked around. Like I'm a, like I'm a little kid. I am thirty. <laughs> we started out with fisting, so I thought it. Was I, I I let listen. That's why I didn't say anything. There's I was nowhere like, left. if you open the door, it ain't no fisting. Obviously, <laughs> the whole door is open. But I didn't know if Melissa ever told you that. I did it. But I just wanted to let you know. But it's <laughs> I don't mind. But I but the people we've just set up a certain uh, okay. standard with our people. <laughs> that you're in. I apologize to you. It's all good. I don't think we told you. No, we didn't. Ain't no fisting, but no cussing, Chad. <laughs> Ain't no fisting, okay. The S word, oh my God. <laughs> Bud Light in my muddy boots. I'm very sorry. <laughs> it up now. Um, but yeah, I think that um, when you take on the responsibility for yourself, you can control the output, which gives you control over the outcome. And so if you have found- Oh, 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 don't just run past that great point. Back up, up the brakes. Run that back one more time. When, oh, now, see, it's never good the second time. No, it is, it is. I want people to hear that clearly. Um, when you are in control of the output, when you're aware of what you can change with your output, you now have given yourself control of the outcome. Um, so if you're- feeling like, oh, I am just a passenger on a ship of countless terrible dating experiences. I don't know where it's going to go to next. I feel 
desperate, I feel lost, I feel helpless in this scenario, the most empowering thing you could do is get to the steering wheel and be like, I know what I could do differently. I know where I haven't been showing up. I know how I haven't been inviting the best partners in my life. So as much as responsibility is scary, and it's so easy, again, in a world that people are not getting education. Most people are not going to be great, so you're, you're correcting that realm. But there are good people out there, number one. Or number two, you can give yourself a higher chance by being a good partner yourself. So I love blame. I think, I think blame is... There was a guy in Toronto who was like, the women in Toronto are trash. And he was talking about you, Shan. <laughs> And now you went off and met somebody and got married and he's still holding on to that hurt. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! That was so good. That man. was good. The people in the comments talking about, first of all, that's a shirt, Shan. That needs to be on a shirt. That Someone else so said good. they need a good a note taker because this is some gems you're, you're dropping. I agree. Yeah, this is, man, I feel like it's in so many ways of life too, not just dating. Like this approach to life is a better approach to everything. Like, what can I be, a, as a person, be a better employee, a better partner, a better father? Like, what are my weaknesses? I feel like owning that part of who we are makes us better people, and, and therefore the relationships around us better people, but it's probably the most applicable in the dating, the dating sphere. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's applicable like, to your point, I think, everywhere else. That's one of the comments I got about the Game of Desire, that, like, this is just a book about getting what you want. But that's because the formula is the same across the board, which is great. There's not a lot of guesswork and magic in this. Like, to be great at anything, to develop mastery at anything, the formula is pretty much the same. It's just the little tweaks along the way. You know, you might need guidance on who are the go-to experts I should be looking at, who are the kind of voices I should be inviting in? What are the kind of strategies I should utilize? But the base template is the same no matter what you're trying to get great at. You know what's funny about this? We talk about stand-up all the time uh, because I'm a stand-up comedian. And Melissa heard this on a podcast that stand-up is really the mastery of like four or five micro skills. It's, it's memory. It's, it's um, timing. timing, stage presence. It's reading an audience. And also making things look as if you're just thinking of them when it's really a part of your act, right? Like people tend to think improv is funnier than, than a planned act. And, and, but in order to get to that mastery level, it's a lot of tanking and bombing and watching good comics and how they deal with hecklers and how to get out of a bad spot and coming up with a bad, uh, a good, most good jokes come from bombing because it doesn't work. So you think of something else to make somebody laugh. And you're like, oh, this actually does work. And people just think I can go on stage and stand up there and be funny, but there's really a lot of work. That's why I love that Fresh Prince episode because Will was funny. He thought he could just be funny. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of work to it. And I think just realizing that, in, in I know I've said this before because it's just becoming a realization. Anything you want in life requires this amount of work and dedication. And we need to take the guesswork and the, the butterfly. The butterflies in your stomach has probably killed so many relationships. Feeling like we don't feel butterflies. Like I've been with Melissa for 20 years. I haven't felt butterflies in 20 years. Since yesterday. 19 seconds ago. <laughs> right? Like that when I first saw her in the hallway, it was the it was heart palpitations. But you know, like now it's a different feeling. You know what I mean? Like I think that might have been gas when I was in high school. <laughs> but you know what? If you continue to have the butterflies and those like adrenaline spikes when you saw each other, you would reduce your lifespan because it damages tissues. Like it's almost like you know when you're almost get into a car crash and your whole body tenses up, you could feel that like thing happen to you. You've just damaged tissue in your body. So if you, you can get me a heart attack and kill me with your love. 
Yeah, so it's, it's not sustainable to have it that way. It's better. It's better that it now turns more into consummate love, more companionate love. And you can still create those moments, but at least now you get to pick them. They're not just like overcoming you at all times. Even love is is work. It's learning your partner. It's speaking their love language. There's nothing sex. My wife's one of her love languages is acts of service. There's nothing inherently sexy about washing her car and vacuuming it and putting it like it's not like yeah girl you see this, this uh, like she doesn't even see it half the time but when she goes to her car and it's full of gas and it's clean that makes her feel loved but that's not they don't show that scene in a movie in hollywood it's like rose petals so that's the stuff i was copying what i saw on you know movie, movies and stuff and she you know gifts wasn't high on her love language list but there's nothing sexy about cleaning the dishes Oh, I know a lot of people will be like, no, that is sexy, but no, you're dirty. The sink is black. It's a whole thing. <laughs> no, I think that's just kind of a part of it too. Like us trying to apply a one size fits all with love languages. One of my things that people often say is like, so my love language is acts of service. And I like to speak gifts to people. I was like, you don't get to pick. That's not how this works. <laughs> What? How are you going to choose their love language too? Mine is this, and this is what you'll get from me. <laughs> Wait, what? You heard me. Gift cards. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. That's how people are, though. Because guess what? Gifts are easy. If Melissa just had gifts, that is easy for me. I can buy you stuff even before we were in the position we're in now. But taking time to back, I don't want to. I don't like it. I don't want it. Well, can you combine the two? Can you buy her like a professional car wash? Or it has to have oh, your yeah. labor? Them dudes be cleaning her car. I take it up there. I'm not going to do it personally. Yeah, I, yeah, I drop it off. I'll pick it up. I'll bring it back to you. But I'm not doing this. It's a lot. <laughs> okay, I want to. Did, did you, we cut you off or did you get all of your, um, every, your whole thoughts out? You get all five. Okay, so what I want to do. That's love language. Oh, Ken, what's your love language? No, you got to know, Melissa. Oh, his is physical touch. Acts of sex. And words of affirmation. <laughs> words of affirmation is a big one. Words of affirmation is definitely a big one for Kev. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I'm just an insecure little boy who needs to be told he's doing good at T-ball. At least you know that, though. That's hey, really man, good. I ain't gonna hold you. This is what it takes to make me feel love. Mm -hmm. Tell me I'm funny. You know, it's funny when I was earlier in this year, my set, my set sucked. And I was like, listen, can you just tell me I'm funny? I need to hear it because these sets ain't even, they ain't even showing me I'm funny. She was like, shut up. You're good at this. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I want to transition. Um, Shan, we got a really good audience here. We got 250 people in here. So we're doing real good. Um, and they're staying and growing, so that's good. So what I want to do right now is transition to your questions. Some of them are dating related, and then some of them are just sex related. It's part of the reason I'm always having sex conversations on my podcast because people always have questions about this is a topic that is never going to, at least for me, it will never grow old. It is always applicable and people always have questions about it. So um, we're going to get to it. Even your hand jobs really have to be practiced because you got to know what That's part true. you like, what he likes. Is it helmet? Is it shaft work? Is it a little ball cup? Like you can't just go in there blind. The person receiving the hand job has got to say, this is what I like. Too much. Take a break. Touch another part. Like there's no magic 
part that teaches you. You gotta learn. Sorry. You gotta learn. You have to have a variety of skills. Like my pet peeve lover is the person who comes in like I'm incredible in the bedroom. And I always want to be like, for who? Like <laughs> just because you're great for one person and the idea that you're great in the bedroom means that you have a routine that you're trying to apply to other people. I'd rather have somebody who's coming in like I I'm a listener, I'm a pleaser. I am somebody who is present in the bedroom. Like that's the person I want to sleep with. That is so true. The person that's present. With, so I'm proud of myself right now. That was good. That was really good. V good. Y'all better be taking notes. Okay, here we go. First question. I'm in, these are the two submitted questions. If you're in here, I edited them for time. Um, I'm in a new relationship and haven't been able to climax. I can only climax with a vibrator. What can I do to help this situation to what can I climax do? with my partner? Hand him the vibrator. Hand him the vibrator. That's very smart. Uh, there's this website that's called omgyes.com and it describes it's kind of like love languages for orgasms so it has nine different prescriptive ways that people can orgasm and it's such really important information to have because you can communicate to your partner and say what i actually need if you need clitoral stimulation or if whatever it is that you know gets you off what i actually need is consistent stimulation that means that when i say this feels good don't start doing the alphabet like stick with what i like and that's what's going to get me to the end whereas in some people their rhythm they would rather like Get into a consistent motion, but it's a mix of tapping, licking, sucking, orbiting. Some people are just straight orbiting. You know, direct stimulation is too much for them. And so coming up with the exact word that you can then empower your partner. So orbiting would be, so for the clitoris, for example, instead of like licking directly or sucking directly, you'd go around it. Or just oh, the left oh, or like the right. Planet orbiting. Yeah, like the actual, you know, body part is too sensitive itself and it's almost painful or very ticklish. And so when they're masturbating, they might put their vibrator, for example, on their vaginal opening so that the vibrations travel up. And maybe their partner is now trying to please them, but is going directly for their clitoris and that's too much as comfortable. So empowering yourself with the language to be like, yes, that's exactly what I like. And those are words that I can communicate to someone else. That's going to help you translate what you do by yourself to what you do with your partner. Listen, let me tell you what. In sex, probably even more than dating, it is you should know what to do. It is impossible. How can I tell you what feels good to you? 100%. You have to tell me if this is too hard, too soft, too quick, too... I'm just trying stuff. If you don't tell me, then I don't know. Now, if you say, oh, stay right there. Same thing, like, perfect. Just like when you make, you follow a recipe on a thing, you don't just get a pot roast and a picture of the... you. Do this, brine the meat, these seasonings for how long, then do this. Don't put the keratin to the very end and then it'll taste good. Like we need that same thing with coochie. Come in, orbit a little bit, flick, flick, take a little time off, go down the inner thighs, Gucci, Gucci lick, I like a little Gucci, come back. Say hello to the nip. What's up, nips? Come back down, right down the middle. Suck it, you know what I mean? Like, and not like a, like a list, but here's the things I do like mix these up and when you find a good you know he who finds a good thing stay right there stay right there don't do nothing less or more like that's i mean that might not feel sexual but it'll get you to the promised land well it's all how you say it i mean if you say the way you did no that's not sexual right so it's got to be 
be like, ooh, yeah, like, oh, it's so hot. You know, and there's, there's two ways to communicate with somebody. You can yuck or you can yell. You can be like, you do way too much sucking. It's uncomfortable. Or you can say, when you lick right to the right of my clit, it feels incredible. And I feel that all throughout my body. That, that, that's what gets me going. And now that person's like, oh, less sucking, more to the right. So, and you know and what? You know, if you're a words of affirmation person, that would kill you. If you say you do too much sucking, that's enough. You'd be like, you ain't getting nothing sucked in. You ain't getting nothing licked either. And I don't care if you never orgasm again. You, you can jack off with your vibrator till the end of time. But if you just say, oh, and I, I like how you do that, like, oh, you, you like that? I could do that better much more. Up, down, up, down, left, right, left, right, ABA, start. And also a vibrator person speaks to somebody who needs like consistent and people are not as consistent as toys. You know, they get tired. So also maybe providing your partner with an option like, hey, if you get tired doing oral, you can switch to fingers. Or if you find yourself getting to the point where you know you're going to climax, you can just switch and use my dildo or use fingers instead. So if it's also a matter of being realistic of like, you can't mimic what my vibrator does. So how can I arm you with several different options so that you can do the exact same things that's actually capable, that you're capable of doing. So good. And you said the website was omgyes.com, right? Yes. Everybody got that? I put it in the chat a few times, but just in case y'all missed it, because there's a lot of comments coming in. Listen, I wanted to say man. it. That is, there's, a, there's even an art to that part of sex, of not being like a formulaic, like a professor, but a, a, a sexy partner. Yes. And it's good to know, like I, um, I like, like even the hand job thing that you said, so I worked for this like male masturbation toy company. I learned so much about hand jobs, like because they have all these different textured sleeves, and then they twist in different ways. The different like sensations they can give, and I was like, oh, like there's a lot you could do with the hand job. So really revolutionized my game. Yeah, you sound like LeBron. What I had to do, I got to get in the post. I got to work on my fadeaway game. I've been doing some work in the low post. I've really been working on my hand job. You know, this off season really want to get. <laughs> some helmet work. There's so much with just the thumb, man. You just get that thumb going on that helmet. Oh, yeah. Okay, next there's question. This, there's this toy called the spinner. Um, and it's, my, it's my, my partner's favorite sex toy. So if you're like trying to like, you know, please your partner with a penis and you want a toy to bring into the bedroom, skip the grapefruit, try the spinner. It's great. Kev goes straight to his phone. The spinner. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next question. <clears throat> How do I create intimacy with my spouse when he's not touchy-feely or talkative? I feel like I ask way too many questions and it probably gets on his nerves. I just want to talk, I just want to talk and have him tell me what he wants, but sometimes it starts to feel scripted and awkward and thus not creating the desired effect. This is a catch-22 question because on one hand, it might be a compatibility issue with, you know, like Melissa, the fact that you're, you get intellectually aroused says to me that you need a partner who's willing to sit on this podcast with you and have these discussions and wants to talk about it afterwards. Like that signifies to me that that's a really big part of how you feel loved and connected. And so somebody who doesn't share that passion probably wouldn't be a fit for you. But on the flip side, you can help anyone develop a skill. But if you have to think about it, like, when you're trying to teach a kid to be great at basketball, you can't come in dunking. You can't come in with like your best skills ever. You got to let them have wins. You got to go slow with them, teach them skill by skill and then stop. Right. So a lot of times, especially women, we do invest more time and energy and emotional intelligence. We do read more books. We do have more conversations. 
where a lot of men don't have the benefit of that, so it's new to them. Oh, you ordered it! Oh, <laughs> oh yeah! You just put our address online. <laughs> Luckily, it's, it's not even legible. Uh, it was too bright. I couldn't yeah. see it. Okay. It was too bright. I, I just thought, thank you. The only <laughs> thing that sucks is um, because of Rona, it's not going to come to the end of May. But oh, when summer comes, <laughs> so will I. To look forward to when this is all over. <laughs> okay, keep going. Yeah, so I think that um, keep that in mind. So if your partner is not really doing great, so just try something small with them where they can see the benefit of communication and then be like, you know what, you did an amazing job. Like, I loved how you shared and how you opened up. It's allowed me to help you so much more. And then, you know, whatever that benefit is, if they communicate to you something about their childhood or their past, maybe the next day bringing it up or making a compassionate comment or giving them a small gift that signifies as a result of you communicating in this way, I can now be a better partner for you. So they'll, now they'll build the confidence up. Now they'll want to start playing more. And then eventually you guys will become equal partners. But if you are unwilling to do that and you'd rather have a partner who just already naturally has that passionate skill set, that's where I'd say it's probably more of a compatibility thing. That was good. Shan, you are great, man. That was good. Oh, you are you are great. I don't understand why you have anybody who's saying anything other than you are great. Bruh, I mean, I, you are just, you're full of knowledge. You're down to earth. You're funny. You're it's very clear. This, thank you for this Amazon review. I just need to <laughs> Man, this is fantastic. Um, okay, next question. How do you maintain a loving connection with your spouse while you're quarantined away from each other and your top two love languages are quality time and physical touch, which obviously are going to be out the window because you're quarantined separately? I think people who are long distance have a lot more quality time than people who live together or potentially my friend is in a long distance. Um, she's engaged. She said that they talk on the phone for five hours a day. There is no way I talk to my husband for five hours a day, you know, like, so I think it's a lot more intentionality around like, let's spend time together. So I think that you can utilize the quality time thing to your advantage. Physical touch is difficult. Um, but you, the best you can do is like, Digi sexuality, so incorporating elements of technology into your sex play, whether that is investing in toys they can control remotely or cyber sexting. Um, so getting creative with the tools that are out there now to get as close as possible to having impact on each other's pleasure. So I, I think that, um, yeah, but the quality time thing, I think you guys, you can hit that off. How have you guys been doing quarantine together? Oh, great question. You, you know what's great? So. I, I was just telling a friend of mine, in my adult life, I've never had the opportunity to spend this much time with my family. Just because even something as simple as kids being in school, like, or us working regular jobs, like, or soccer practice, there is literally nothing on the calendar that requires us to be out of the home. Mm -hmm. So I've enjoyed it. My kids have, I mean, I'm, I'm probably, I'm, no, I'm not probably, I am getting on their nerves. Uh, Cause they're like, you just keep coming in here, huh? You just every, every, every 30 minutes, you just come in here. We, we good. You, you keep checking on them. Nothing has happened since the last time. But with Melissa and I, I feel like when we first stopped working both regular jobs, there was an adjustment period to being around each other this much, you know, cause you feel guilty. You don't realize how much space you get in your day to day. Like I spent an hour and a half in the car driving to work. 
the whole time at my job away from her and then an hour and a half. So the time with her is more precious because you, you, you only have a, a limited amount of it. And now you've got plenty of time. Now it's like, do you feel guilty for having to walk by yourself or in another room or just like being on your phone or playing video games or her doing her own thing? So I think there was definitely an adjustment period because we went from a ridiculously busy schedule, my travel schedule and work and kids and soccer to nothing. Yeah. Absolutely nothing <laughs> but shooting, you know. So, uh, but I've been enjoying it. I, I feel like after this pandemic, I don't think we'll ever have this much time again until we're like retired. But I've been enjoying it because I, it's like a breath of fresh air for me. How do you feel? <laughs> uh, I've actually been enjoying it as well. Melissa's been uh, cooking like crazy. That's the uh, one thing. I, I gave up on trying to lose weight. I'm just trying not to gain a lot. Cause she, Shan, she made steaks yesterday. Like roofs oh, in good. a cast iron with asparagus and baked potato. And I'm just like, girl, she bought, made Rice Krispie treats the night before that. We've been eating God knows how much ice cream. Like, I'd be having to walk for an hour and a half every day just to just to keep the keep it at bay. I'm sorry, I just wanted to say that. I because my love language is acts of service. I feel like that's why I like cooking yeah. and like I feel like that's how you know we're all at the house and we. I don't really want want to order out because I don't know. I'd be feeling the way about it nowadays. Um, so I don't know. I like cooking. I'm not the best cook, but I do enjoy it just as an act of love for my family. But. Um, so sounds like you're great. <laughs> what about everything else? But everything I really have been enjoying. I've been enjoying the time with the boys. We've been doing family night. We've been discovering new movies. We watched uh, who? James Bond movie, Jim Carrey's movies. You're watching Brooklyn Nine Nine. Brooklyn Nine Nine. So I've actually enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, I think that I think had we not gone through our transition earlier about beings, then this would have been rough. This would have been rough. That whole, there's a lot of articles about couples are divorcing because of too much time together. Uh, I, I see, I don't, I don't want to be negative, but I can see how that happens because in dating and marriage, you never get as much time together as you have now. Yeah. This is like 24 hours a day, every single day, no access to your other friends. Like people are not necessarily used to that. I've seen some articles like this made me realize I don't even like my husband. I haven't liked him for a long time. I was like, dang. When you be up in here every day, be like, oh, don't you got to work? I, I thought you was cheating on me. Where is she? I need a break. <laughs> you know, so, um, but I can see how it's very different for a lot of people. If you haven't had that transition period, it could be, it could be a, a stark difference in your relationship. Oh, massive difference. I think that, yeah, you do definitely realize if you like each other very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. We concur. <laughs> All right, next question. Is online dating during this time a good idea or is there more opportunity to be disingenuous? Ooh. Well, I mean, fake people will always take an opportunity to be fake. So I don't think that they're like coming out the woodwork now. If you were a lion. I'm really fake. Right, person before. Yeah, it's just, it's probably not going to make a massive impact. Um, I think it's a pretty good time to be online dating, especially if your intention is to create more meaningful connections. OkCupid reported that they've never had so many messages being sent as there are during this time and messages being sent between first time matches. So that means people are actually being like, let me talk to this person. Let me try to create a connection here. So a novel idea on a dating app, I know, but I think that 
people have are forced to communicate. They want to hear stories from others. They want to know how others are doing. Like we want to check in. We want to feel this oneness right now. And so if you're on a dating app, that's an indicator that this is an area that you want to feel that connection in. So I think it's a pretty decent time. It's also a decent time if you're fed up with dating and you were very exhausted before and you were consistently getting the kind of matches that you don't want and you were dating the kind of people who were draining you and uh, forcing you to lose parts of yourself. This is an incredible time to stop, to stop, shut it down, take a break, do some self-work, read some books, reorganize and re-strategize for how you want to come out of this with a different strategy. Okay. That's good. I think that's more powerful than going out and dating is taking the time to actually take a break from it, a reprieve from it and do some self-evaluations. Can I go back to your frozen five? Um, that might be a good place to start with. Like if you're going to take the opportunity to take a break, to come up with your frozen five. Yeah. So the frozen five is actually based on a book that I read that I love that really made a big impact on me. It's called the science of happily ever after. And in it, he was saying that like statistics, Statistically, you're going to get three wishes out of a romantic partner. So people have these long ass lists, but when it comes down to it, you're getting three things. So you really have to be really mindful about what those three things are. And while I think that that's true and great, and the whole book is really based on like, well, how do you pick these three things? How do you kind of figure out what those are for you? And how do you find the person with that? And it was using a lot of like math, right? So if your three things are university educated, um, black male and goes to church. If you have a, a pot of marbles of a hundred, now you have to realistically think, well, of that 100, how many are black, how many go to church and how many are university educated? Now you're left with like 15 marbles and you have to start being like, okay, where are these 15 people? So that, that, that book is really great. People should check it out. But my whole thing is if you put the work in and you know yourself and you learn and you change and you're practicing, you get five wishes. It's up it a bit. Like I think that my husband is five wishes. It's the five things that were most important to me. But you have to be really, again, clear about what those are. So in the book, The Game of Desire, I listed 25 things. And they're not vague. The more specific you can get, the better. Um, because if your wish is something broad, like makes me feel good, what does that mean, right? Mm -hmm. If your wish is something broad, like um, supports me, well, what does that mean? What is specific financial support, emotional support? Like what are quantify really exactly? And when you're forced to kind of narrow that down, because you'll read the 25 list and be like, I want all these things. And we all do, but statistically it's not likely that you're gonna get a partner who excels at those things. And that's why identifying those so those five are so important. And it makes it so much easier to look for your person because now it's like you're cool and you're great and we get along, but you don't meet my five, that's okay. Maybe we could still be friends. Maybe we could still be friends with benefits, but I don't see you as a candidate for a long-term partner because I know myself. You know, it's funny about that. If Melissa had a list and having, uh, being physically fit was on it, she wouldn't have me. That's literally like, that was one of your three or five. You miss out on everything else I bring to the table by just saying, oh, he has to have abs too. Too much. I can be a great father, provider, your friend. We can travel, but if you want abs, I'm out. For that reason. Acts of service, and she loves cooking for you, and she loves that you eat it. 
So that's why she would have to prioritize on her list and be like, which one's more important? You're so right. I think you'd win. After service, and I was like, but abs, I'm only going to eat broccoli and chicken breast. Then all that food you make is going to go to waste. And you get to look at these abs, and I'm throwing your food in the trash. Because she's making peach cobblers and yes. my girl. But she also says she loves you the way. Yeah, so it, Some people, like, there's a comedian had a it, joke about what you just said. Like, when you're 18, your list has 30 things. When you're 25, it's got 18 things. By the time you're 50, it's like, alive, don't hit me. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know when you try to bite and the timing is wrong? Because then yeah. I stopped talking and I was... I, I, thought it was, I thought it was frozen. Yeah, I was going to go to another question. I, I really quickly, I just want to piggyback off those. Um, your frozen five. I love that title. Um, I was saying when I was younger, my mom would always say, what are your non-negotiables? Like make sure that you've identified your non-negotiables. So even when I was um, like learning in your book and learning about your um, frozen five, I immediately thought of that. And even when I met Kevin, even at 16, I've always been like kind of a no nonsense, more serious person anyway. So even at 16, I had a list, so to speak of my non-negotiables. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that's really interesting. I think that's so helpful. That's also realistic. Like sometimes people, we just need to be realistic. You're not going to get everything you want out of a partner. Yeah. Just going into it, knowing that is like, you know what? That's, that's probably true. Like I don't even get everything I want out of myself. I want myself to eat right and work out. I can't get that out of me. How can I expect my partner to get everything I want from them when I can't be everything I want for myself? You know what I mean? But, but we do, we live in this fantasy world where we feel like we deserve everything on my list and I'm not budging till I get everything on my list and that's just not true I'm definitely going to steal that quote um and not credit you but that was so powerful that I, I get everything I want out of myself like that is that is absolutely true <laughs> right now while we're doing this I'm like you know what I'm going to be just hungry enough to eat that ice cream perfect amount. and I said I was going to stop eating ice cream until corona is over I lied I <laughs> bought three of those doggone magnum dark chocolate raspberry ice creams and as soon as this is over, I'm going to eat it. And I know I shouldn't. I've been eating dessert every day, Shan. I don't earn it. I didn't even work out this morning. It was raining. Oh, well. Hoping. It's, we're very stressed out. It's natural to do this. You know what? And we're all going through it. Like, my friend posted this picture of Jonah Hill. And it was like, you know how he had that major weight loss? Yeah. It was like me going into quarantine and me coming out. I was like, this, this is the relatable content that I need right now. We just so, got to get through yeah, this now, any way possible. Just getting through this with our sanity intact is going to be a win. Yeah. And the fact that you even thought to self-regulate is enough. There you go. Not really, but. <laughs> okay. Uh, really quickly, for those of you asking, Shan's book is called The Game of Desire. The Quibi Show. What is the Quibi Show called? called sexology that's what i thought but i wasn't sure okay the quibi show is called sexology um there it's 130 there are many episodes on quibi but she taught covers topics ranging from everything to everything um and her oh cat put it in there boom 
And her Instagram um, is Shambuti. There we go. Okay. People are asking, so I want to make sure we're all caught up. And as you're joining, um, Kat is putting it in there as well. So feel free to, Kat's regulating. Okay, moving on. Um, and we'll do a few more questions and then I'll let you guys go. Okay, um, how can you tell if you're genuinely single by choice versus holding up a guard subconsciously that is keeping away a potential partner? Oh, wow. Oh, they're question. ordering it right now. Good. Yeah, oh, I love language. Um, <laughs> So flirtatious I love that's an amazing how can you tell if you're single by choice or single by circumstance mm -hmm. is that sort of the, yeah it's kind the, of it the bullet point there yeah I would are you deciding when relationships end are you deciding when connections go forward or don't go forward are you waiting for the phone call or are you choosing who you call so you've got to ask yourself about how in control do I feel of the kind of connections that I'm having. If you feel like you're constantly the one ending it, that's probably a sign that you're not putting in the work beforehand to really think about what kind of connection that you want. So the signs will point back to you. And if you feel like you're the one who's always getting ended on, that would also point back to you. So the good news is in either case, you've got to do some changes. Uh, this question, I think, I think it's because I wouldn't want the other one. I wouldn't want the, oh, it feels like maybe I'm just um, single because my standards are too high or my this. Because you can have high standards, but if you have high standards for a well-educated church-going man and you're looking at the club, your standards aren't really helping you much. So your strategy and your positioning is off. So something is, is clearly off in, in this circumstance. So I would kind of just brainstorm of like, what exactly is the missing link of what's going wrong? Am I meeting the wrong partners or are the right partners not consistently wanting to stick with me? And that's where the work has to go in. That's good. Be good. Be I, good you are asking people to do some deep, deep self-work. I don't is, know if we ready. Hey, but you know what? If you don't do it, you have no one to blame but yourself. Yeah. Because you are really, in, by doing that work, you're improving your own chances. If you're not doing it, then you're yeah. your own potential success. So, you know, you're gonna have to look in that mirror and pull that mask off like Shan did and be like, it's me. Hey. <laughs> you reverse engineer. I'm not asking you to go to your childhood and figure out like what was the base root problem of whatever issue that you're carrying forth into adulthood. Like that's probably work that takes, you know, a, a licensed professional to help you with. I'm just saying, think about like what is like what is the issue right now? You know, yeah. the the umbrella issue. Like, I'm not finding the kind of quality of partners that I want. So the sub-question that is, is it me or is it them? Okay, so to answer that question, I now have to pinpoint where is the pain point? Where is like the area of disconnect here? And that's gonna bring you to your next actionable step. Like the more you can make stuff small in your brain, cause really big questions, like it's a very big question. Um, and big questions often don't get answered, right? Because I don't know, I don't even know where to begin with that. So the smaller that you can break that down, you know, even creating a really tiny, tiny list, that's what's gonna help you actually make that impact and that change. And so sometimes like this is the reason why I don't ever answer DM questions because I just, I cannot have enough context to possibly give you a good plan of action yeah. other than the vibrator one. Even that, there's still some questions I would have to ask that person to really give them specific pointed advice. Cause to your point, Kev, like that's where I think that this area fails a lot. It's a lot of the advice you get on love and sex is vague. Um, and it's idealistic. 
And so yeah. it's like, here's the mentality you want to get to, here's the end result you want to get to, but it's not giving you the brick by brick steps. Right, right, and so to right. do that, you have to either go to an expert who will help you find that next step or really decompose, decompose this for yourself. It's like getting, I'm going back to my pot roast analogy. It's okay. like telling people, you want to make a pot roast? Here's the meat you buy, here's the ingredients. You also need an oven. Okay, but like how much of each? Good luck. Like that's what it's like. Like you need a, a quarter teaspoon of Lowry's. You need this much water. It needs to be in the oven for this temperature for this. There's way more that goes into it than having the right ingredients and the right tool. It's the order in which to do it. And then once you do it based on the recipe five times, it comes out great. Now you get creative. Now you start adding it up. Like, but it just, it takes that foundational information first to build the confidence to get to a place where you can start making it your own. Yeah. Um, so that's what people have to seek out is that foundational information. Yeah, because black people at one point in time, we made Kool-Aid with their instructions. And we were just like, this is not good. I'll show y'all how to make Kool-Aid. Much more sugar than there got to a point we made it with no instruction. We just held enough, like, this is a good amount of sugar. Exactly. And we knew how to do it. I can't remember the last time I looked at those instructions. Fact. Oh, my God. Our kids have never made Kool-Aid. I know. I thought about that the other day. My mom made Kool-Aid um, for dinner. She made, like, kebabs, rice, and um, Kool-Aid. And I was like, Kool-Aid? Pours or riches. I never, I've never made Kool-Aid before. We need to do that. That needs to be an event. I don't think I'll be seeing Kool-Aid at the stores anymore. I just saw it yesterday when I picked up your um, iced tea packet. Wow. Kool-Aid need to bring the commercials back. They do. Sorry, Shan. We're on a whole thing right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, too, have drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> this is... All right, here we go. It does say sweet taste, though. That is part of the instructions. Mm. Okay. How should you proceed when there is someone that you connect with mentally and sexually you match well, but the attraction, I love this question, but the attraction is not there. Should you move past it and hope for attract and, and hope that attraction comes? I'm, I'm going to give a really quick preface to this. I don't know who sent this question, but um, Kevin's ridiculous. We, I, I always get that. What they just, he's just a little ugly. He's not even a whole bunch of ugly. He's just such an ugly. He got a dash of ugly. <laughs> like he just got hit real hard when he was six months old. I he never recovered. Cannot. Um, I love this question. Number one, it's a very real question. But someone um, that I worked with had a really great guy that she was dating. Um, I actually loved them together. I like called him and was like, listen, y'all going to be together. Y'all don't know it, but I can already see it. And then like, like two or three years later, they started dating. They got engaged. And then she texted. They got they got engaged she texted me and I was like yeah I called it I'm so excited and then like three days before they got or not three days like a week before they were supposed to get married she called it off and texted me and was like I just couldn't do it there wasn't a physical attraction she was ugly that whole time and I know she was struggling with it and I just did not have an answer for her so I feel like this is something that people deal with quite a bit I just said how did you get to sex then <laughs> it's dark that's how it's dark. You don't see the ugly when the lights are off. You open the lights, you're like, Ugh, turn, turn them back off. So ugly stuff. You know how to eat that cat, so ugly. <laughs> I mean, like, 
everything else in life, there, there's two paths to this, right? There, there is the path of you don't owe somebody your forever just because they're kind to you. You know, if it's not there, it's not there. The reason why finding your person is such a momentous occasion that gets celebrated in the way that it does, that gets the stories and the movies is because it's so special. So it is difficult to find all of the criteria to mix to actually meet that person. We have billions of people on this planet and yet it's very hard to find your person. So it's okay to be two degrees off and that's really impactful information. Now I'm like, great, I know I need to be treated this way, spoken to this way, licked this way, but I also need to look across that person and be like, oh my gosh, you're a work of art. Now I know that about myself. Thank you for that knowledge. I'm glad that we got better through this. It's like leaving a career that you're like, this is not my forever job, but I'm so grateful. And those are hard jobs to leave when you're like, this, they were great to me, I had great benefits, I love my coworkers, I love everything about it, but I just know this is not my final destination, this is not my career job. Harder choices to make, but important choices to make because depending on your belief system, we have one life to live, and that person has one life to live. And they're gonna meet somebody who looks at them and is like, Ugh. You know, that person exists. And so while you're trying to find that feeling and you're trying, you know, you're robbing them of the experience of having that individual who that just comes naturally. So on one hand, you don't owe anybody that. And you're not doing anyone a favor by compromising in that way. On the flip side, you can reprogram who you're attracted to. You can start to like, I would be like, what does this person look like? Let me start to follow social media accounts that validate their archetype as sexy. Let me start to watch some movies that put them I mean, in the light. Really more ugly people, so his ugly looks a little better than their ugly. I need more, Shane, you said I need a, more ugly on the timeline. Les Idris, The Rock, Ryan Gosling, you're out of here. Seal, uh, Danny DeVito, Danny Glover, you are in. And now my husband looks good. Yeah, now I'm just like, He's killing the other uglies. I've reprogrammed my schema where this person gets celebrated. Because oftentimes, too, it's not even that you don't feel that, but you don't feel like the world looks in that way. It's so like that kind of dampens your attraction to them. So I think it's like reprogramming your world where you up, find a space where they're uplifted in that way. Um, and so I think that we have a lot more control over who we find attractive. That comes with ourselves. If you look in the mirror and you look at yourself and you don't see somebody who is sexy and fine as hell and worthy of having their bones jumped and lusted after, that to me really speaks to like a reprogramming that you have to do for you so that you walk with that confidence. And it could also be a two part. Maybe it has, that's also something that your partner has to do because perhaps maybe they're not the most conventionally attractive, but they don't think that they are either. So they don't really walk with that swag or move with that. And that, that also in turn doesn't give you that same attractive feeling. So they may have to reposition their mentality so that they get that kind of you know, swag to them. And you have to also start to invite more images that affirm that your partner is an attractive person. Now, again, we're, we're talking about physical attractiveness. I don't know if that's what you were talking about at all. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Okay. I love this. And part of the reason why, girl, should I be knowing stuff and I don't be knowing stuff. I say it all the time because it's true. But when I went on my own, I call it my journey to self-love and like trying to learn to like this outside exterior body that I have, I realized that the women that I found pretty, beautiful, attractive look nothing like me. Mm. And it wasn't until I noticed and purposely was like, 
Mia Long is beautiful. Kelly Rowland is gorgeous. I love Gabrielle Union that I was able to celebrate my own beauty, the dark skin that I'm in. Like I, I was only able to do that when I could see the beauty in, in those that look like me. And so I think that this is a powerful moment, not only in trying, again, that reprogramming of your spouse, but again, what you were just talking about in gaining that self-confidence in yourself, that's a powerful way to do it. And I absolutely 100% did that hundred percent. And I'm sure that changed, not just like, and you probably don't look any different, but I would never suspect that about you. Cause there's nothing about you that doesn't say like, I deserve every bit of attention, praise. I am deserving of this space. Like nothing about you doesn't already command that to me. So I would be interested to learn or meet the version of you, you know, that many years ago before you did that work. And now, you know, look how far you've come today. Mighty, mighty long way. <laughs> We've come this far, A my mighty, friend. mighty long way. Okay, I think I'm gonna ask, um, answer one more question. Any? Oh, there's a lot, but let's just do one more because I want. Um, listen, I had a good time, and I don't want to be the dead horse child. This was an excellent episode, and I had a good time. So, for Kendra, sex four times a week, married for too much. Okay, could you? Do you want to pick it? I don't even know what this word is. <laughs> I don't know. I've never even seen that word. I honestly, Let me just ask that so maybe she Yeah, I want to ask you because I don't know what it, I don't know Could what it is. Could you explain the difference between in, in a frenulum orgasm versus a normal orgasm for men? Why is there no downtime after afterwards? Oh, a frenulum orgasm versus a normal orgasm. Well, a frenulum is part of the, where, where did my Zoom go? A frenulum is, is part of like the, the penile network and most, it's sort of like, the frenulum is like um, equivalent to that part of the clitoris where like the, the labia minora connects there. So I didn't know that you could differentiate them because it's almost like being a, a licking orgasm versus a sucking orgasm. So I, this is something that I have to be educated on because if you're stimulating the penis, you're stimulating the frenulum, unless you're giving head reverse and only licking the top in such a case. The top, like the top of the helmet or the shaft? Like if this is the penis sideways and I'm only licking here rather than licking the underside. Oh, got it. Where the heels are. The frenulum is here. So like if I'm penetrating or if I'm putting in my full mouth, I'm stimulating that. So I don't know that you could, dif I didn't know you could differentiate it. Hmm. But school also a good school way to ask a question you don't have a full answer for, just saying I've had to be educated on that part. That's okay. I like her. Maybe they well, yeah, that was great. Okay. Um, we're gonna ask one more. People are like, well, ask one more then. We will. <laughs> How do you adapt to different types of dating arena? Okay, hold on. You wanna um ask it, Kev? I'm trying to find a good one. Let me see. Could you read them out loud to make people want to hear the answer? No, sorry. That might be a good question. Last one? Yeah, I don't think I've ever asked that. Is sex four this one? Yeah. Is sex four times a week for married couples too much because we want more, especially during the quarantine? Ooh, I mean that's a great question. I mean, there's no medical proof that says more than two times a week um, is beneficial for you in terms of health-wise. So having sex less than two times a week, you're losing some of the health benefits of having an exclusive romantic partner. So that's when you should try to engage more. But there's no proof that like seven or 12 is, is better or worse. It's just a comfort thing. And it sounds like it's mutual. 
that's what's pretty crazy about right now is more like go have it people are having really adverse reactions so some people are really horny during this time and some people have no sex drive like it's just too overwhelming your fight or flight system is activated you can't even begin to fathom about intimate connection right now like you're already running really high whereas other people experience what's called arousal confusion where because your adrenaline is up and your heart rate is up those are the same physiological responses you get when you're horny so they're like oh shit my body wants to go so yeah. that same is processed in different ways mentally and within a couple so if the two of you both are processing it and coping in the same way like that's a miracle that's really great i don't here's the we thing talked about that before. yeah we have i think that i love that you said two of you are processing it processing it the same way the thing is you can be we live in the same house but we're processing information very differently this pandemic other stuff we we're, you're giving us the same information and our body is decoding it totally different same way with spicy food you have a person who takes five hot chili peppers and loves it somebody else hates it i think understanding that like melissa tends to consume more political news and reports and stuff like that so i just be like all right that's enough i i it's all bad i get it i get it it's good i, I check in the morning for like a glimmer of hope within three seconds of looking at my phone i know there's no hope today okay let me go find something to make people laugh you know what i mean but i think understanding that we might not process it the same and we might not process it the same on the same day. Maybe Melissa's feeling more optimistic today. And I've been like, you know, woke in the middle of the night reading a whole bunch of articles and I'm feeling doom and gloom and understanding that I don't think there's any normal in this pandemic. Right. Nothing about this is normal. I actually saw a tweet today that said expecting things to go back to normal is there's not going to be, there's going to be a new, a new normal, but Things in America, in the world will not go back. You're not going to ever shake a hand, especially in the first year, shake a hand with as reckless, like, hey, man, nice to meet you. Now you're like, oh, shoot, pandemic. You know what I mean? So um, I don't know where I was going with this anymore. Yeah, you process things. Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, I think, and here's the other thing about sex. I think this is why it's good to say sex is an average, because you might have sex six times one week and one time the next week, and then three or four times the following week. You know what I mean? Like, and within a given month, you might have a high month, low month, high quarter, low quarter. But I feel like sex isn't a, you know what I'm saying? Like you, unless it's like one time a week for six months, mm -hmm. then it's like, okay, that's, that's much below normal. Um, that's what I want to say. Here's a question that I want to answer because I just learned this. Is vaginal fluids tasting like water a myth? I feel like every other fluid tastes. I can see how that can cause anxiety if you're unsure what your partner is expecting. We learned this from another person in chat. I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Water, first of I, all, the, the, the thought that of the vaginal fluid or the vagina tastes like water is an absolute myth. It's a self-cleaning organism. It's going to taste different based on diet, time of the month, um, all other type of factors. It might have a naturally musky tail, uh, a smell or taste. Some have naturally muskier tastes or smells than others. And that all depends on, on, on a variety of things. But it, it water is 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 a myth. I believe the feeling of water or being tasteless is 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 not is is a myth. And I've tasted of uh, very few, various few, and it's not the same. It just depends. Sometimes it's more metallic, depending on if your cycle is coming uh, soon or just past. And sometimes in the middle of the month, it might taste or smell very differently. So um, I don't think you're expecting it to be the same at any two times. That's beautiful. I think even within the same person. I think that was a 
Perfect Even answer. The same person, especially with the same person. You got to eat it every day to know. You got to be like a vagina Somalia. You're like, oh, your cycle should be about eight days from now. I feel like you've had a little less water than you usually. Hints of brisket. You've been eating more brisket than normal. Hmm. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I feel like you. Uh, hints of notes of pineapple and apricot. <laughs> I just want to say that you did very well. <laughs> everything that he described is things that he liked, Melissa. So it was. It was. Listen. Got a magical taste of a punani. Sounded, <laughs> great. Sounded great to me. You gotta go there. It's like it's like a fine wine. Maybe one got a Riesling. It's a muscat. a little desserty today. Oh, this is like a deep red on today. Come on in here. Um, but if you have more questions about vaginal health, please go back and listen or watch our four women only series. We had a bunch of OBGY, all OBGYNs come in, four of them specifically, Black women for phenomenal guests, and they went through all of this. Even when Shan was talking about um, your orgasm and learning if you like a clitoral or a vaginal or whatever, part of that is learning your anatomy, because we don't be knowing the difference between the vulva and everything else. So these are all things that are really important. So go back and watch um, that series and the very first episode with Dr. Jess. Nope, 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 nope. I'm not gonna remember her name, that's okay. But the very first episode, I think I called it um, Anatomy for Dummies or something like that. Because, no, she was the last one, the very first one. Um, I can see your face. Jessica I can't Shepherd, no, Ray, no, 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 Rachel. No, no, stop talking. You don't know. Uh, she uh, brought out a whiteboard and drew our lady parts and Bridget diagrams Rose, and all of that. So definitely check that out. It's really, really good and really good information and something that will only empower you to know your body more and be able to articulate your needs and wants a lot better and more clearly. I love that. That's such a gift to have. And that's the coolest thing about having the access to podcasts in perpetuity. So you can like cross-reference it. That's really cool. I love that. And we got how it impacted Kevin real time. Yes. I learned a lot about that. Yeah, I Dr. King, thank you. It was Dr. Kiara King. That's exactly who it was. I was almost down there. I was looking on the Love Hour podcast. Uh, thank you so much, Shay. That's exactly who it is. Um, okay, so I am going. And I think it's also important for the women to know that that is not for them. To say more what for you for their mean. their vaginal uh, vagina vaginal oh, health yes. smell taste. It's not going to be the same uh, because I don't. When you're kids, you're not taught that. You think, oh, it's, it's got this smell. You don't. You're not clean, and a lot of that stuff is just misinformation. And if nobody else tells you wrong, then you believe an ape who doesn't know anything else either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Nobody's ever challenged that. So the other thing is, Sean, what do you think about this? So we just had another um, uh, licensed uh, LMFT on. Her name is. Um, Remembering is not really your Child, I be trying to, Just I know. Just go with what your thought Okay, is. well, I always, I, it's really important to me to shout out who I've learned my information from, but my memory is trash. Anyways, she recommends that women taste themselves to get out of the fear and anxiety of how they taste. What are your thoughts? Oh, that's a great tip. I think that even just something as simple as kissing your partner after they go down on you, to even show that solidarity that like I don't think I'm gross so I think that that 
get to get over the anxiety, number one, but also number two, to create a feeling of, I think that I'm the shit. Like I'm confident in my taste. So I think that's really hot. We're win- we're in this together. Like my uh, yeah, when my husband and me first started like you know having sex, he was really particular about like after you know uh, oral sex, like you have to brush your teeth. And then I was just like, what's the implications about your own body that you're putting in place when you like put that rule there? Like, where is that coming from? Like, why is it so gross for you to think about semen in your mouth when you're asking me to do that? Um, so <laughs> that's something that we corrected. That's you. What you what you want to brush your teeth? That's you. You should be coming with your. It was Dr. Lori. Yeah, it was. It was Dr. Lori. But that is really important. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to say really quickly, that's really important because um, you don't realize how much of what you do and how you're acting is rooted in a negative belief. Yes. And so challenging that forces you to evaluate why do I think this way? Why do I want to do that? Why do I... For me, like showers are a must. This must happen. Like I just feel a certain way, but I, it's because I, I don't know. I'd be feeling a way about body odors and that kind of thing, but recognizing. So what am I, what am I internalizing about me? What am I internalizing about my body um, that I am now forcing him to be subjected to? And I'm like, girl, nah. So you trying to take, you trying to take all the aroma away. You that's, there's pheromones in that smell. You, know, fair, you, oh, fair, yeah. you smell, I'll be like, oh, oh, yeah. You'll take a shower. It's too clean. Everything tastes like soap. You smell like soap. I want to smell that butt, butt. What did, what did they smell like? Oh, yeah. I'm not talking about musty, like, oh, you just worked out all day. But man, let's be all take a shower all day. She ain't even do nothing today. You sweet. We've been in the house all day. You will do good. Oh, man. Uh, what that day take? Needs a t shirt. <laughs> What that day tastes like, bro? Let me try to, I'm trying to see some. Trying to see Ooh, what that day smell like. All right. So this is what we're going to do. Shit, thank you so Shane, much. This was, this was better than, I had high hopes for this, and it even surpassed those. You yes. are just friend of the potty. Friend of the pot. So can you give the people all of your information, where they can find you, where your book is available, all of the things, how they can follow you, all the things? I'm going to give one thing because I feel like you get one wish with these chats. Um, okay. But already a listener, you can actually get my book, The Game of Desire, on Audible. And if you don't have Audible, you can just get a free trial and listen to my book. You download it, cancel your subscription, you didn't pay nothing. So that's a free way to listen to the best work of my life. Nice. Nice. Very proud of you, Shan. Congratulations, Congratulations. On, on, on writing it. And we'll do our best. I also want to make this public so people can know about our book. Okay. And lead to purchases and sales. Yes, please. Later, guys. Later. Month, yeah. Months. Months. Uh, Kev is not going to do much. Stop lying to the people. Uh, but if you also want additional information, Shan does have a YouTube page with tons of videos and really, really, really good information. Um, and now's a good time to consume all of it, like I have done. (laughs) So thank you so very much. Thank you. Be safe. Thank you for your time. Thank you guys for joining us today. Again, be safe, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Bye-bye. Do I just end it for everybody? Stop the live stream first. It's gonna get stuck. Okay, got you. Stop live stream. And then end meeting. Bye, Shan. Bye, Shan. Bye, Catherine. Thank you. I got it.
should have went before we started. You always should go before.